brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Good Risings. I'm Liz Earnshaw, and this is Hash It Out. This week, I am joined by my friend, Sylvie Huhasian, who is one of the leading experts on attachment, and that is why we are deep diving into attachment this week. I am so excited for you to hear her insights. So let's get started on our Tuesday conversation with Sylvie. Happy Tuesday, Sylvie. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to dive into our questions together. How are you? I am so excited as well. And today, let's start from the very beginning. So we have a listener question. And the question is, Dear Sylvie and Liz, how can you keep your attachment wounds from replicating with your infant? I thought that was such a good question. And also, for me, it signifies a really self-aware parent to even be thinking about that. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Mm, I agree with you. I think just having someone ask that question speaks to their desire and willingness to do things in a perhaps maybe different way than they were uh, approached or just wanting to be really aware. And that's the biggest piece right there that I was going to, you know, really start with this question is the first piece is awareness of self, right? That objective awareness of how we are relating to our child and being aware that something that my therapist has been saying to me for years and years, which never leaves me, which is it goes out the way that it went in. So how we were parented is going to likely be the way that we parent unless we bring in that self-awareness, but also compassion. Because remember, attachment is not about perfection. It's about making those quick repairs. So allowing yourself to make mistakes and, you know, obviously appropriate mistakes. We're not talking about abuse here, just to be a you know, huge disclaimer, but little mistakes here and there are gonna happen. But it's like, how quickly can you turn around and recognize, okay, I didn't really tune in in the way my child is still crying. Can I also reach out to other parents and other people that can help me and support me to contain whatever feelings might be arising within me and also noticing what specific things get activated within you and being really honest with yourself. Do I feel like my child is too needy? Do I feel like I'm not doing a good job as a parent? You know, those are some of the thoughts of people that have more avoidant tendencies is like, oh my gosh, my child is too needy because we were often deprived of our needs being met. So there's going to bring stuff up 
because that's the same age that you experience those things. And on the other side, someone that has more anxious tendencies, they might think, I'm not doing a good job. My baby and I are not connected enough because that's the wound you have. So I think listening and paying attention to the stories that are arising within you as you are attaching and trying to bond with your baby can really help you course correct. I love that. And I think that when you were talking about the parent who maybe had someone that shut down their needs, finding themselves shutting down their child's needs, I have experienced that myself. And I had parents who I think were actually pretty responsive, but certainly on the more traditional end of parenting, where children were kind of supposed to be quiet and appropriate and all of those types of things all the time. And I wanted to give an example of maybe what repair could look like. So let's say that you shut down your kid when they're being needy, which I quote needy. I'm not calling them needy because they're just little babes, but they feel that way sometimes. And so my son might come to me, mom, mom, come look. I need you to talk to me. I want you to see my picture. Can I have another marker? Can I sit on your lap? Can I come in your office? And so I'm getting all of these rapid fire questions and needs and it makes me feel really overwhelmed. And there have been times where I'm like, you need to go sit down. Mommy needs to be left alone. So I'm never caught a meaty or anything like that, but certainly shut down what his attempt was in that moment, which was actually not to get the marker from me. It wasn't even to really show me the picture. It was to connect with me. And so what a repair might look like in those moments, which are, I'm sure other parents listening can relate. They are most often happening for me at 6 or 7 PM when I'm just at the end of my, my rope. But What that might look like is me going up to my son and saying, honey, I know a little while ago you were trying to show me your picture and I told you to leave me alone. And mommy needs to apologize for that. I'm really sorry. I love seeing your pictures and I know you just wanted to hang out with me. And it can help to then narrate what was happening for you because it helps them to start to narrate what happens for them. So you can say something like, I was just really tired and needed to take a deep breath. You want to talk about what you should have done. You know, I really should have taken a deep breath and then kind of come in and talk to you. And I didn't. And then letting them know what you're working on. So what I'm going to work on is When I'm really tired at night, honey, I'm gonna try to be really calm. And it's really funny because my son will actually call me out later on for the things I told him I'm gonna work on. (laughs) He's holding you accountable, Liz. He holds (laughs) me accountable. So he'll, you know, if I have one of those moments where I quote snap again, he'll come up to me and be like, mom, I thought you said that for now on when you're tired, you're gonna take your deep breath and let me know you're tired but that you're not going to do that. And I'm like, that's right, honey. This is a lifelong process, but I'm still working on it. I love that so much. That is, But that's what repair can look like. Just like letting your child know that you're just human, that you had a rough moment and that you want to repair and take accountability. And then of course, some affection, like, can I have a hug or come sit on my lap, show me the picture. Let's try this again. Is one way that you can repair with your child. I love that so much. And thank you for sharing that so openly as someone who is wants to have children. Hearing from parents that have done this and can model that for me is, is always so 
admirable. And, you know, it's that's what it is, that those quick repairs and recognizing, having that awareness of where we lean towards. Are we more the type that can get overwhelmed or are we, are we more the type that might start to get intrusive into the child's energy? Because that's what I experienced coming from a communal culture. I often remember feeling really overwhelmed and I was like needing a little bit more space. So having a parent that can acknowledge that. And of course, when the child is really, really young, you know, it's a little, the, the repair might look different at two, three years old, but I think having that awareness of self and what I really appreciate about what you shared to your son is that it prevents your son from going on and ruminating about this experience. You're basically closing that loop for them. They don't have to go into their own space and you know think about when you know what did I do wrong or what why are mommy and I not connecting? That's what creates secure and safety in attachment relationships between a parent and a child. I love that. And you know what I'm just noticing? What? The listener asked, what do I do to make sure I don't replicate it with my infant? Mm-hmm. And what we did was we talked a lot about the older years. And I actually mm-hmm. want to come back to why I think that is which is I think in some ways, and you can tell me your opinion, we're becoming a little too hypersensitive about whether or not our infants are being perfectly attached. Mm. Your infant will be mostly securely attached if you're good enough, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's all this stuff out there right now that I think is making brand new parents really kind of freaked out. Like, do I have to Mm. sleep with them 24 hours a day? If I need to take a shower and while I'm showering, they start crying, is it going to mean that they have an anxious attachment style? If sometimes I can only sue them so much because I'm overwhelmed, is that going to mean that they have a bad attachment? If I breastfeed or don't breastfeed, like there's so much out there. And what I wanna remind you of is attachment is kind of a lifelong process. And unless you are highly neglectful or abusive to an infant, they're going to be good enough and you are going to be good enough. And where that attachment continues is throughout life. And so it's in those toddler years where you're making repairs. It's in the teen years where you're taking accountability for the fact that you spazzed out on your teenager for no reason. It's in their adult years where you get in a fight and you take their hand and say, whew, why did we fight like that? What just happened? So infancy isn't where it stops. You don't need to read all the books, buy all the stuff, worry that you've made some terrible, lifelong damaging thing. It's impacted, but it's not where it stops. And I actually, I'm not, I'm totally on the fence about if it even has the very biggest impact. Unless again, like I said, disclaimer, it's like high level neglect, high level abuse. But the middle ground, I I think it's more about consistency over time and growth. Totally. And we're looking at, the spectrums of where like certain behaviors might be on the extreme, right? Like you said, the neglect, of course, abuse, and also like overwhelming the child with too much energy. And so I think if someone is aware of themselves, like this person that was asking the question and aware of their approach and making accommodations with those things, that's eons above that awareness alone to create more secure functioning patterns. Absolutely. I've always been curious about, and I don't really have the answer to because there's so much research that flip-flops is like the sleeping schedules for children, like letting them sleep on their own or do we respond every time they cry? I know there's some research on how that can impact attachment and there's so many different versions of this and I don't know. 
There's so much that we don't know, which is like what we'll leave it on is you are a parent that's asking this question. So I am 99.99% certain that you are a good enough parent and that your child is not going to be damaged by your parenting and that in fact, you're gonna do a lovely job and just pay attention to giving them enough space and also giving them enough connection and recognizing that both autonomy and connection are important to foster. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to balance it perfectly, but you can do your best. I'm Liz Earnshaw, and you can find me on Instagram at Liz Listens. Thank you for listening to Good Risings. If you enjoy this podcast, please let us know by leaving a review. We love hearing from you. Until next time, love on your loved ones. And when that gets hard, tune in to hash it out. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.